You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. So this week we're starting the second dimension of a 4D church, a 4D church. Last week was going dark. This week, the second dimension is this, drum roll please, okay? (laughs) Going deeper, going deeper, going deeper. We can put that on the screen, going deeper. We're gonna go dark by creating a lifestyle of prayer, but it doesn't stop there. If it stops there, it's us in our prayer closet and nothing manifests or is produced in our life. It's just ritualistic prayer that produces no spiritual fruit. So we need to go deeper down into the surface, beneath the surface of American Christianity. We need to go beneath the surface of just proclaiming to follow Christ. We need to go beneath the surface of just coming to church on Sunday. And I'm going to hit some potent, painful points today. And I want you to know I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me and to you. And you are to take what you perceive and what you hear and take it and filter it through the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth. But friends, the day, the day of just attending church to call yourself a Christian and saying a prayer, I believe is past in America. God is looking for a people called by his name that will actually love him deeply by going deeper into the word of God. Let me ask you, do you know the word of God? I didn't ask you, do you understand it necessarily? (laughs) Or do you have it memorized? Or can you list the books in chronological order? Do you know the word? Has the gospel message, the good news of Jesus come alive in your heart to where it leads you to make a change? And shall I say this, has the gospel message not just led you to make a change, has it made a change in your heart? We need to go deeper as a church, not just in information, friends, transformation. Information is called religiosity. A religious spirit, they, the religious spirit monopolizes on rules and theology. If theology and rules don't live within our heart, God said in the Old Testament, there will be a day when I will write my law on your heart. I will take your heart of stone and I will put in a heart of flesh that desires to seek after me. What about deeper in our relationship? Is Jesus just a title? 
Is Jesus just a name we put at the end of our prayer before we say amen? Or is Jesus truly the depth of who you are? What about deeper in your worship? If you just think worship is just singing songs, you need to go deeper. If you think worship is just listening to 93 Star, you need to go deeper. If you think that worship is just corporately coming together on Sunday and going through the movements and looking at the screen, you need to go deeper because worship is what you were created for. And that's another message. What about deeper in how you think and process? Romans 12 tells us that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Just take an inventory of your thoughts the past 24 hours. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about legalism at all. I'm talking about a life pursuing God. We are to go deeper in renewing our minds. And now with social media and things on our TV, friends, which even 10 years ago would be considered pornography. 10 years ago. I'm not talking about 50 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago, commercials. We have to renew our mind. We have to settle that that's not good enough anymore. And it's toxic for our spiritual growth. Not just because the pastor told me, or I want to be a holy Christian. No, it's I want to be a reflection of Christ. What about deeper in your understanding of the word? Tony and Susan led the E101 course this week and it's gonna be an, another leader next week. But they said this, the Bible says, people perish because of lack of knowledge. How are you doing with that? And I'm not just talking about information. Do you intimately know the truth of the Bible, let alone the God of the Bible? And lastly, what about going deeper in your dependence on the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, man, he gets a bad rap. He gets a bad rap. We come to Jesus and we know that Jesus lives within us and we think, well, we think it's the Holy Spirit. And then we just let the Holy Spirit just kind of sit in a compartment in our lives. The Holy Spirit was never designed for that. The Holy Spirit was to indwell you, infill you, and then become active in you to where it stirs and affects and influences every area, crevice, and part of who you are. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. The Holy Spirit conforms you into the likeness of Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts you. The Holy Spirit seals you for Jesus and the promises that God has given. How have you gone deeper into your understanding and your relationship with the Holy Spirit? And so here's a key thought for today's message of going deeper. Here's a key thought and it's on the screen. The ways in which you go deeper in your life 
And by the way, you will go deeper in your life in some area. Everyone does. If not, they're called shallow, right? You will go deeper in some area of your life. How you prioritize your life, what is the central focus of your life, the desires of your heart, you will go deeper in. So the ways in which you go deeper in your life will determine the fruit your life produces, which ultimately then points to who or what is on the throne of your heart, your life. Don't miss this. This is the key to going deeper. This is why we as believers and followers of Jesus don't wanna stay stagnant as immature young infants in Christ. Because where we go deeper into our lives, the things that drive us into greater depth of understanding, of impact, and the things that drive us will be the fruit that we produce. You will know the tree by its, you will know the tree by its. What's your fruit? Tell other people of who you are. Your life produces fruit, which then ultimately points to the kind of tree you are. When you see apples grow on an apple tree, you don't call it a corn tree. You don't call it a mango tree. You call it an apple tree because by the fruit, you will know the tree. It all comes down to, friends, to who you know because who you know will ultimately change who you are. Hello? It all comes down to who you know, who is on the throne of your life, because who is on the throne of your life and who is your central focus will be what you live for. And what you live for becomes who you are shaped into. The ways in which we go deeper in your life will determine the fruit that our lives produce, which ultimately points to who or what is on the throne of your life. So before we get to the points, I just wanna give you two questions. And these questions are supposed to bring a little bit of stretching, a little bit of discomfort, because as you know, in order to strengthen your muscles in your physical body, you need to take them to a capacity of discomfort to where you don't like it. And then you're able to rest in that and allow your muscles to strengthen. So let's do that spiritually as well. You may, have been, you may be a Christian for 30, 40 years. And these questions are for you. You may be a brand new Christian, an infant in Christ. Don't know a whole lot, but you know that Jesus loved you, forgave you, died for you, bled for you saved you, and he is yours. He's your Lord. This is for you. Maybe you've just been living a life of pleasure, pursuing truth, pursuing love in all the wrong places, 
Look in Punub, <laughs> right? You knew I was gonna say it, but that's our culture. Wherever you're at, these questions are for you. And they won't go deep unless you give them permission to go deep. But in order for us to go deeper underneath the surface of American Christianity, we have to answer these questions. Number one, is your faith in Jesus, your relationship with God, something real enough to you that it has changed the way you think, process, prioritize, and respond? And here's more of a statement than a question. The next one, the litmus test. The litmus test, can we get that second one up there? The litmus test for one who has been truly, genuinely, sincerely captured by Jesus Christ is real transformation. The test of a genuine Christian is real life transformation to where people notice the difference. That's the litmus test. And you wanna be so bold, go to the people who know you most and ask them if you've passed the litmus test. So after those questions, I wanna go into scripture in just a moment, and I'll, I'll let you know where we're going so you can get out your Bibles because we're gonna stay in this passage, we're gonna jump around, but we're literally going to read through this passage and the teaching is coming out of these verses. Turn to Second Peter. It's in the New Testament. It's actually really close to Revelation. It's before First John, Second John, Third John. It's after First Peter, by the way. Literally, go ahead, pull out your phones, please. I want everyone, if possible, to have a Bible in front of you. There are Bibles in the back welcome center on the shelves that you can either borrow or even keep for yourself if you don't have a Bible. And I'll say this as you're turning. Can you repeat after me? It's three words. Salvation is free. Any gospel message other than that is a false doctrine. Salvation is free. It's undeserved favor. It is a free gift from the Father of sending his son in your likeness to die your death and to forgive your sin so that he can reconcile you, make you right with God the Father once again. It is free, friends. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is free. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. It's Jesus plus nothing equals eternity with him. Jesus plus nothing. But here's where the American church, and I say American church because I want to generalize for a moment. I don't want to just point the finger at individuals because I don't think I can do that because it's not my place, nor do I know the heart of man. Let God, through the Holy Spirit, convict you if you need to be shaken here. 
But the American church of what we've seen, the progressive church in America, the candy-coated fluff church in America. Ooh, sorry. We'll tell you salvation is free. Enjoy that free gift. It's all free. You don't have to do anything. Just read the word, say a prayer, and get baptized. You will be saved. Salvation is free. Let me say it another way. The life of Jesus crucified for you is way more powerful enough to forgive you, to cleanse you, to change you, and make you new. That, my friends, is free. However, 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 it will cost you everything to follow Jesus and to reflect Christ in your life. Don't believe any fast food doctrine that says by grace you've been saved and by grace you can live like the world. It's BS. Bad sausage is what it is. What were you thinking? Guys, I, I just, I'm, I'm gonna tell you like it is. Please don't think that I'm mad. I'm actually broken. I'm broken over the state of the church. I'm broken over people who call themselves Christians and live like pagans. And people want nothing to do with the church because they call us hypocrites. You know what? They're right. They are right. And until we get our crud together and we start to throw off the spirit of religion and the candy-coated grace message, we are not going to reach the lost. Oh, but we should, Christians, we gotta go outside and find, and, 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 and find the lost and save them. They want nothing to do with your hypocrisy. They don't care what you know until they know how much you care. They don't care this Jesus that you teach them until they see Jesus in you. It's just information. They wanna see transformation. This is where the rubber meets the road for Christianity today in America, in Blanchester, Ohio. I love you all, and I am boomeranging this message right to my heart because it's time to change. It's time to wake up. We don't know what our last day is, friends. It will cost you everything to reflect Jesus on this earth. Yes, salvation is free. And you can coast the river of our culture and still proclaim that salvation is free and grace for you. And I believe that Jesus will welcome you home. If you truly call on the name of Jesus and believe in your heart that he is Lord and that he has saved you, you will be saved. But Hebrews also tells us when we build our lives on the foundation of Christ with earthly things, they will be burnt up in heaven and we will just simply escape the flames. 
I don't want that. But so many are comfortable with living a worldly life while trusting everything that Jesus has for them, yet never tapping into it. What kind of witness, friends, is that? That means salvation is for you and you alone. God still loves you, and I believe God still saves you, but we, we need to wake up to understand that God has called us representatives on this earth citizens of heaven, ambassadors to this foreign land. To what? To be different, to be new, to be changed, to be powerful. How do we do, how how are we powerful? We die to ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can take over. Look at this quote. I love this. Spiritual growth in the Christian life calls for the strenuous involvement of the believer. American church is about coming two hours on a Sunday, putting in your dues, checking off your list, giving your tithe, and going on. There is no life change in that unless the Holy Spirit wakes you up and you begin to grow in Christ. Is church wrong? No, why would we be meeting on a Sunday morning? It can be useful and beneficial, but if that's all it is, stay home. Enjoy a cup of coffee on your couch. Because it's not just that. We got to go deeper, friends. We got to go deeper. We got to break through these spiritual strongholds of religion that tells you just go through the motions. There's so much more. And so I want to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to see that there's so much more. There is so much more depth waiting for you as a believer. All you have to do is go to the Lord and receive it, pick it up, and live it out. Now, I'm gonna break apart the scripture as we read. I'm gonna bring up some sev- uh, several other scriptures to reaffirm what the text is saying. And Peter here in 2 Peter is writing a letter to believers, and he's pleading with them to stop staying in their spiritual diapers with their bibs on. And he's pleading for them to grow into a four-dimensional church that we see happen all through Acts when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. His Divine power, could you say those two words? His divine power has granted to us, what's that word? All. You know in the Greek, it means all. In the Hebrew, it means all. All things. You mean God's given us everything? Yeah. It's already been given, it's already paid for, and it's already provided. It's here. You don't have to go run and turn over rocks and look over everything to find things that we need to grow in life and godliness. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What is godliness? Do you actually mean that you can be godly? That's your design, friends. Created in his image, in his likeness. What's his likeness? God. 
to be godly in all things. We know that that's not possible without the Holy Spirit, and we will not be completely perfect godly until we actually are glorified and see Jesus face to face. But we are called to constantly pursue this growth, and this is what Peter is talking about. Let's look at Ephesians 4.13. It's going to be on the screen. Talking about the leaders of the church, their job is not to do ministry. Their job is to equip you, disciple you. To what? Till we continue, until, oh, excuse me, until we all come to such unity in our faith. Our faith is our belief and our hope in Jesus Christ that all he said and all that he is is absolutely true and it will all come to pass. And our knowledge, not just our information, but our spiritual understanding of God's son, Jesus, that we will be, what's that bold? Mature in the Lord. Let's say it all together, ready? Mature in the Lord. Well, what is maturity spiritually? Because in our culture, maturity is very confusing. We have a very low standard in our culture today for what maturity looks like. Maturity looks like age 40 living in the basement of mom and dad. Maturity looks like going to college and then spending three, four years not working at all. Not sure how to have a work ethic. They're not mature. Spiritually, the standard that we are to have is this. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ count me out, but that's the standard. It does not change. It does not waver with culture. It does not waver with how you feel. We are to grow into the maturity, which is the fullness and complete standard of Jesus Christ. That is your standard of success. That is your standard of leaving a legacy for your grandkids. That is a standard for what a Christian is supposed to look like. Peter's point here about that his divine power has given us everything. Peter's point was that there is nothing more that any believer needs in order to become godly. It's all been given. What you need to do is make that transaction. Go and make that withdrawal in the word of God, and start to live it out. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Allow the word of God to lead you and guide you into all truth. All that you need for life and godliness has been given to you through God our Father, through Jesus Christ. Now let's continue. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. That word knowledge is not informational. It is experiential. It's not what you know. It's who you have experienced that changes you. It's experiential knowledge through a relationship with Jesus through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Don't know what you were called to? Look again. You were called to God's glory and excellence. How are you living that out? 
This isn't about legalism. This is about living out God's glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may be, what's that word? Partakers of the divine nature. Let that sink in. Human beings can have a divine, godly nature imparted to them through the gospel of Jesus. It's not about you that is godly. It's about Jesus who is God and who is Savior and Lord. And when you have a relationship with him and you've been captured and changed by him, you can begin to grow in the nature of God. How's the church doing in that? So when God saved us by faith in his promises, he indwelt us with his spirit and we therefore possess the nature of God. Even though we possess it, that doesn't mean that we live it out. We have to engage with it. We have to be transactional. We have to allow the dead flesh and the sinful desires in us to die so that the divine nature of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit can lead. Is this, is this speaking to anybody? We are called to be God's representatives on this planet for his kingdom. So change needs to happen. So let's look at verse five, verse five. For this reason, what reason? The reason you are called by God and given everything from him to, from him to you for life and godliness. And because you are supposed to and designed to be partners with the holy God, do this. What is do this? Let's look at these attributes that grow on top of each other. It is a process. It is a growth process. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your, supplement your faith with virtue. What does virtue mean? It means moral excellence. It means purity of mind and spirit. It means being upright in all things. So from faith to moral purity and excellence. Well, I can't do that. I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, the Bible actually says that as we grow in Christ, we're actually not supposed to live a life of sin. Will you sin? Probably. Will Jesus forgive you? Absolutely. Are you supposed to sin? No, you're not. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have everything that God has for you to live a life of godliness. You do. What would happen if the church started to live that way? Faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge. Again, this word knowledge means acquired information. In particular, the Christian needs to know all that God has revealed in the word. But knowledge isn't everything until it goes deeper into action, belief, identity. 
Philippians 1, 9, write that down. Philippians chapter 1, 9 says, it is my prayer, Paul speaking, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Your faith with moral excellence, your moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. This is where the American church really gets hung up, friends. What is self-control? It's a mastery of self-discipline. A mastery of self-discipline. It's controlling one's desires and passions. How are we doing as a culture, friends? This needs to change in the life of a believer. This needs to change in the life of a believer. We need to control one's desires and passions and self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness is perseverance, friends. Perseverance. You keep on keeping on in spite of adversity, amen? Though trials come, many of you, I'm gonna even say 50 years plus sitting right out here, you are heroes of the faith. You are being models and examples from all that you have had to endure and persevere as you kept your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, Hebrews 12, one and two. Keep going, never give up, never get your eyes off of Christ. The younger generations below you, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa are watching you. We need your example and model in our lives. Parents, what about your kids right now? I can guarantee you they're not getting it in the public school and I am not throwing rocks at the public school and teachers who are pouring out their hearts to these students. I'm just saying the system has pushed God out. They're not gonna get it through a system that leaves God out. They're gonna get it from a home of endurance, of watching their mom and dad go through hard times and yet still cling to Jesus. There is something about the struggles and trials of life and adversity in life that brings the believer growth. Let me tell you, you look at any area in your life where you grew the most in Jesus and I will tell you it was a valley. It was something that stretched you. It was something that brought you to your knees because you knew that without Jesus, you had no hope. Let's look at these scriptures that are saying the exact same thing that Peter is saying in 2 Peter. Let's look at it. Romans 5. Romans 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems. How many are dealing with problems right now? Raise your hand proudly because guess what? Problems are an opportunity for God to grow you into the likeness of Jesus. And as you grow into the likeness of Jesus, the abundant life that Jesus promised you will start to produce itself. Woo! <laughs> and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Trials and hardships make you more like Jesus. Stop trying to avoid them. Stop trying to blame others. Stop trying to blame God that he is just allowing you to go through this ugly season. Yeah, he's allowing it, 
to grow you more like Jesus. Are you letting him? James 1, verses 2 through 4, sounds similar. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What would happen if we, in this 2021 season of life, begin to embrace and find great joy in our trials? I tell you what, the lost would be coming here. The lost would be looking to the church, friends. We're not gonna get it right every time, but as long as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can't go wrong. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Anyone, honestly, I want you to raise your hand proudly. Anyone saying my faith is being tested right now? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for strength. I pray for such a beautiful peace and joy to come up over them, inside of them, and bubble up over. May their trust increase, God. I pray that their relationship with you would be like, like, like a boat truly attached to an anchor. Though the waves come, though the circumstances and the feelings come and rock their boat to and fro, they are not moving because they are anchored in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So let your perseverance and steadfastness, verse six, steadfastness with godliness, there it is. You would think that godliness was the last one, but it's not. Godliness refers to a behavior that reflects the character of God. It's a deep desire to please God in every area of your life. Like the uh, King David said, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. It's that desire that leads you to godly living. And godliness to brotherly affection. What? Yeah. This is brotherly affection is love and honor within the body, spiritual family of Christ. This isn't talking about unbelievers. It's what Jesus says, that if you are my disciples, they will know you follow me by your love that you have for one another, believers. That's why the enemy, the devil himself, prowls around looking in churches to divide over stupid stuff. Things that don't matter in the kingdom of heaven. It's sad, but it's gonna happen until Jesus returns. Brotherly affection. I'd like to give you three scriptures. I am throwing the Bible at you, and I get it. So I expect for me and my family to be watching this and listening to this. Some of you, you're the great... I really appreciate your encouragement when you say home run pastor, that was so great. But you know what the greatest, greatest compliment to a pastor is? Man, I have been meditating on your, on, on your message, but I've been meditating on the word and I've been seeking God in prayer and it's changing me because it's not about me. It's not about my message. It's about the God of the word through the power of Jesus's death and resurrection and through the power of the Holy Spirit changing you. Philippians 2, be humble. 
thinking of others better as yourselves than yourselves. That is brotherly affection, friends. Romans 12, 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. Don't look for, oh, going back up to Philippians, I missed that. Don't look out only for your own interests, our culture, friends, but take an interest in others too. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Man, I tell you, if the church, if we all in our side conversations began to honor our spouses, honor our children, honor our leaders, honor our peers, honor and boast in them, unity would explode. Many of you have been wounded and hurt from the church that hasn't got this right. It's not God's fault. We do have a choice as being partners in this godly relationship. We choose. And it is my prayer that you will choose to grow in brotherly affection in the body of Christ. Well, I can just grow as a Christian at home watching online. Yeah, you can grow a little bit, but you need your brothers and sisters in order to grow in this area. If you don't have them, guess what? You're not growing. Just saying, Colossians 3, since God chose you to be holy people, holy, how can you be holy? By being godly. How can you be godly? By living out your divine nature that Christ purchased free for you with his blood. Almost done, friends. You must clothe yourselves. Friends, hopefully, I'm not blinded yet, but hopefully all of you have clothes on today. If you're watching live stream, that may be different. (laughs) Hopefully you have clothes on, but they didn't just get there. They didn't just magically when you woke up this morning, woo, there they are. You had to put them on. The character of God and brotherly affection has to be put on. God's not gonna do it for you. It has to be put on. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, you don't know what they did or said about me. You don't know what hurt they caused me. It didn't say that. It says put it on. Brotherly affection in the last one, going back to the, the main scripture in First Peter, Second Peter. Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. We all think we know the definition of love and most of us do, but let's just look at it one more time so that we can begin to live it out. First Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is agape love we're talking about, unconditional love. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never fails. It never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Sound familiar from what we're reading in 2 Peter? Love is that final component of maturity. So let's look, go back to 2 Peter and go back to verse three. It's coming. Lori's doing amazing. I told her I'm gonna test her in every way today. For this reason, make every effort 
to supplement your faith with virtue, moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge that changes you, knowledge with self-control, and self-control with perseverance, and steadfastness or perseverance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Now let's go to verse eight. You ready? For if these qualities are yours and you are increasing in growth in these, look at this, this is a promise. They will keep you from being ineffective, unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. It means if you are growing in these qualities, it is possible that you will never sin, fall short. Now, we know we will because we're fleshly creatures. But we need to know how to get in alignment and to pursue God. And so, friends, I know we're going to respond in just a minute, but this is a thick message. And so I'm just asking for your grace. I'm asking for your listening ear because this is, if there's a message I sense the Holy Spirit speaking to the church, it's this. We have a problem in the American church. We have a big problem. We are not growing. We find Jesus. We start to build our lives on the true foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus, the starting point. We associate with the things of God, but very quickly we tend to drift and build our lives with nothing, nothing that brings us into a deeper understanding of Jesus, nothing that brings us into a deeper knowledge of his word, nothing that deepens our relationship with Jesus, nothing that takes us deeper into our worship, nothing that takes us deeper into sacrifice and obedience. This is a shallow mentality that has infiltrated the church. We're a mile wide and a centimeter deep. This is a shallow mentality of, the, of Christianity. It's kind of like if we were all trees, friend. If we were trees and we were trying to grow into this mega strong, healthy tree, producing fruit and thriving, not wavered in every season, yet we never invest to deepen our roots. And the first sign of wind and a storm comes, we knock over, we're, we're knocked over. And we wonder why we fell over and our faith was weak. It's because we're not investing into our root system of our spiritual life. It doesn't cost you. It doesn't cost a Christian much to not have deep roots. All it costs them is two hours a week for a Sunday service. Dress like a Christian. Talk like a Christian. Say a prayer that you think saves you. By the way, the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. 
The concept is, the principle is, but that was an American-derived thing. The altar, coming to the altar for prayer is not in the Bible. The altar was made for sacrifice and burnt offerings. For some reason, every church building has an altar now. Well, that's not biblical. Yeah, it is, because they're taking the concept of sacrifice. Romans 12 says, I plead to you, brothers and sisters, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. That's why we come to the altar. If your life is not being transformed by Jesus capturing your heart, you need to start by receiving Jesus as Lord. Gone are the days, especially here at Elevation Community Church, where we can just say we're Christians and not act like it. I'm not talking about legalism or rules. I'm talking about roots going deep in relationship with Jesus. And if you're not growing, please still come, because one of these days I know the Holy Spirit's going to get a hold of you and change you. But we are designed to grow The Bible says we're short-sighted if we do not grow. So could it be that the American church in a generalization is blind? God help us. In our ever-progressive worldly culture, we have somehow redesigned and remanufactured godliness that can only be experienced and expressed in the four walls of the church two hours a week. Friends, That is a counterfeit of godliness, and that is from Satan himself. The Christianity Christ gave his life for was to produce real life change into his likeness. God is not impressed with your costumes of Christianity. God is not impressed with your church attendance. What he is delighted and enamored by is your likeness of Christ. That's it, guys. We cannot remain the same when God awakens us and puts new life into us. You can't. You cannot stay the same in the same relationship that you're doing, in the same habitual sin that you're doing. You cannot have Christ capturing your heart and consistently live like he never died for your sins. And so friends, I know I've gone past my time, but I wanna leave you with an application as the van comes up. And I want us, whatever it takes, I don't care if we cancel the fall festival, we're not going to, but this is what's important right now. If you leave and go out to the fall festival the the same way you came in, you're missing out. So I'm gonna leave you with this application. And this is hard. This is hard, but I would ask no moving in the sanctuary right now. This is a holy moment. This is where God wants to get a hold of you. And this is where you have the choice whether or not to let him get a hold of you or not. Is there something radically different in you growing in your life where others around you would notice? Or are you just floating 
Are you just floating down the lazy river of culture? The American 21st century, the American dream. Or is there vital, radical, New Testament call to Christ-likeness living, grounded in life change, grounded in the life-changing knowledge of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and filled with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit with the fruit of true life change to show for it. This is where Christianity 101 starts to come alive. This is where your witness starts to be tested. Friends, I want you to look at that and I want to ask you a couple questions. Where are you seeing this radical, vital New Testament call to a changed life in your work? Where is this radical living being tested in how you treat your wife and your husband? Where is this radical living being produced in your life by what you watch on TV, guys? I'm not talking about legalism. The things you are watching are hindering you from growing into the holiness of God. When is it going to be enough for you? Yes, we're all different. Yes, we all have different desires. One thing may be sin for someone because they're convicted and one may not be, but we're always called to live in the light of Christ in front of everybody. What about the way you raise your kids? Are they seeing Christ? Are they seeing Jesus in you? What about how you talk, your language? What's the focus of your conversations? It needs to change. And I'm a testament right here that I'm changing. Am I changing? Thank you, but I was asking my wife. <laughs> the true, thank you, Anita. The true test, the litmus test, ask your spouse. We need to change, guys. Why? It's because there's a dying lost world watching us, looking for anything supernatural in our lives. It's not about you anymore. It's about the mission, the kingdom of God. And let me ask you this. I like to have a good time. I like to party. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. But is your definition of a good time reflected in here? If not, you need to get rid of it. You need to change it, friends. Well, it doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Everything we allow to enter in impacts us. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing and acceptable to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. 
time to let the Christian faith that you and I proclaim to begin to change us from the inside out. Stop worrying about what other people are doing and how they're living and how they're choosing to be ministered to and by. Stop judging them of how they want to worship God and how they're making choices for themselves. Worry about you in reflection of this. And so now as we worship, let's get right. You know what my desire is? This is my desire. I want it to be the Holy Spirit's desire. Let's fill this altar this morning. And if we fill this altar, let's leave different. If you sit where you are and you worship God and you encounter him, is there change to show for it? Because that's where we need an encounter with God. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.